there's something just magical about the club and the city. I think like Bundesliga clubs are very tied to their city's identity. And both of those are just super magical to a way that like, you can't really explain. Welcome to another episode of FC Überall, the FC Köln podcast by, for, and about international fans of FC Köln. The rendition of Mir Ston Sudir FC Köln that you just heard was played by Tiago, a guy from Cologne. Thank you very much for letting me play this on this podcast and taking the time and sharing your creativity with other FC Köln fans. Die Hymne was written by Die Höhner and they adapted it from the Scottish traditional Loch Lamond. And I did not listen to the Tiago version of this song alone, but played it for me and my guest today as well. Jake, what are your thoughts on Tiago's piece? It's beautiful. Always have respect for piano players. That's not an easy instrument to play. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think the, the cool thing uh, that he did was he went away from the traditional way of playing it and had more the cadence that the fans in the stadium have. So he really had the feeling for it, I feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you have listened to episode one of FC Uva, you have heard me talking about Jake already. And if you haven't, you should listen back to that first episode because he was the first FC Köln fan that I met in the US. Actually, the first FC Köln fan that I met outside of Germany what an honor. He lives in Chicago. He is subsequently the admin of FC Köln Chicago's Twitter account. He is, of course, a hardcore FC Köln fan. He is the host of 50 Plus Döner, an amazing Twitch show about Bundesliga and everything German-related or unrelated to soccer, 100% unbiased, of course. Yeah, this is, <laughs> is kind of hurting my unbiasedness, huh? <laughs> and... And he is a member of the Black Fire, supporting the growth of black culture and community at every level of Chicago soccer. Jake, is there anything that I forgot to mention? No, that's a, that's a good summary. So let's just dive right into it. Let's start with the most essential question uh, that I have and probably a lot of people listening from uh, Europe have. How does one become an FC Köln fan in the US? Um. Honestly, in getting to know more people, I think a lot of the fans that you meet in the U.S. have been there. And I think that's changing now that those people are like out and about on social media, like obviously crying or laughing after a game or during a game. So I think there's a lot more people who are fans that haven't been there or like don't really know the city of Combe. But I think a lot of the people that like we've been in contact with and 
a lot of people when I was starting FC Call in Chicago have just been there and I'm I'm included in that. And how did it all start for you? When when was the first time you heard of FC Köln? It was when my grandfather would like come back from Germany. He's from Dortmund and he actually taught university in the city of Köln. So that's kind of like where I heard of it, but really I think for me the peak was living in Bonn and just being that close to Köln. You're able to, like, if you go to a bar in Bonn, they're watching the Cone game on TV or something like that, um, if you can find a bar with a TV. But um, that's really where it started, and just kind of, like, learning more about the fans, like, talking to fans in the city and just how much they love the club. It's just super contagious. I think a lot of the passion for the club is the biggest reason people become fans because it's just so contagious. It's like what you dream of out of a soccer team. How old were you when you first heard of the club? Like when I was a kid, like probably like nine or ten. How old were you when you uh, were in Bonn? I think I was, so I was like senior year of college. So whatever, like maybe 22, 23. Okay. And you, so you were studying in Chicago and you went abroad for a year or what was it? Yeah, about a year. So that actually break because I turned 21 when I was there. So it's like 20 to 21. So that yeah, I was studying at DePaul and there's a really cool program that like I got super invested in and I got sent over there and um truly the best decision I've ever made. It was it opened just so many pathways. I got to see so many cool things I never thought I'd see. It obviously opened all this, like getting into the Bundesliga, getting into Köln. Was that your first time being in Germany? No. So I was there. I was actually in Köln again, sophomore year, but it was just for like a week. It was just over the holidays. Yeah. So Bonn, uh, for those of you who don't know, is like, what is it? 45 minutes, 40 minutes by like taking the slowest train uh, from city to city. Uh, so it's right south. Like if you go up the Rhine River, the next town that you hit is Bonn, which uh, used to be the capital of West Germany before reunification. And then it went over to Berlin. So a lot of history there. What was your favorite part about Bonn? I liked it being like on the Rhine. And I know that sounds really lame and like not really an answer, but like, I think it really opens it up when you're walking a lot. Like I would walk to class, I'd walk to like my friend to hang out and stuff. And like, we always like go to a park by the Rhine or like like when you're crossing the bridge to go to the other side of Bonn, like it's just always there. And I think like living in Chicago and always being by like the lake and stuff like that, it's just like a nice connection, I guess, of just being by water. And it's like such a nice river. It's just like so much history behind it and things like that. Like it was just like refreshing to just wake up and hear the Rhine like rushing. And I guess a more <laughs> to the point answer Like about being there, um, I think it was just a closeness to other things I really enjoy, like Köln. Koblenz is really cool. I really love going to Koblenz. There's a lot of like hiking trails to castles and stuff that are like deceptively around there. And the university is just gorgeous. Like every time I was on, I don't know, you you've probably been there too, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah. So like that courtyard in front of the main building is just so beautiful. It's a really, really beautiful city, actually. Just Google uh, University Bonn, B-O-N-N, and you'll see the pictures. It's really nice. Also, I mean, I did not go to Bonn that many times. I think when I went, I went to visit friends that I had there or for concerts. There were, were really cool concert series in small clubs. Um, 
like I remember one distinctly, which is like a um, bi-monthly concert series of like rockabilly concerts there. Uh, they had a t-shirt that said, uh, Bonn ist nicht mehr scheiße. Bonn doesn't suck anymore. Uh, that was their slogan, which is always like the thing, like Bonn is always the little sister of Cologne, of course, from the Cologne perspective. And um, I guess if you're a tourist, well, what is there to see in Bonn? There's uh, Beethoven, there's like all of the small uh, little Gassen, the like small streets of the uh, old town. Then there's the boulevard along the Rhine River with all of the trees, which is super beautiful. What else is there? If you go in like the spring, there's a cherry blossom. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. How, how could I forget? That is true beautiful yeah and then there's the well let's switch back to soccer there's the bonner sc not too successful one of the small clubs but actually i think that is one of the things that people who have looked into bundesliga from uh, across the pond or from wherever one of the things that they're often missing is like the sheer number of clubs that germany has what are your top three of not really recognized clubs in germany That's a good question. For some reason, I really like Unzerbrück. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for that, really. I think it's just because, like, they have, like, a color scheme that's not red and blue, which is pretty rare in the Bundesliga. They have white and purple, right? Yeah, red, white, and purple. Magdeburg, I think uh -huh. just because my best friend Kevin, he lived in Magdeburg, and I got to see him and got to see the city and stuff like that. Um, I don't think a lot of people know even how to say Magdeburg if they were, like, reading it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that and then I guess Karlsruhe I don't know I feel like if you like wore a Karlsruhe jersey in the U.S. people are like what is KFC <laughs> you mean KFC like what's going on there <laughs> <laughs> that's true what was the thing that really interested you in the Bundesliga after coming back to the U.S. a lot of it was fan culture I think It's hard and like, obviously it's still doing stuff with the Bundesliga and talking to like Premier League fans. They just like, this comes up all the time with like, oh, how could Bayern win the league all the time? Or like, what's 50 plus one? Like, there's so much of like fan investment and involvement in teams around the league. It's not just one team. It's like all of them that like people just don't get. I think that was a big draw of it. And then also I think it's just an exciting league. Like in general, like even the set, like the second league is, It's just pure pandemonium every single year. Like, <laughs> like all of the leagues are super exciting. Like, yes, there's Bayern that's constantly winning first, but like everything outside of that is always a dice roll of who's going to end up where. So, um, I think just the soccer is enjoyable too. You said it's the fan culture. What is the main difference between being a soccer fan in the U.S. versus being one in Germany? I think there's a lot more room to be passionate than there is in the u.s like there's a lot of fan codes of conduct here that you have to abide by there's a lot of tensious relationships with like fl and supporter in the u.s that like are there in germany too of course but i don't think they're to the level where it's as villainous with as many teams as there are with the u.s like i'm trying to think of a u.s team that has like a good front office supporter relationship and i can't really come up with one there's not a lot of fan in like directing of the club per se like you do with like the membership meetings in germany and things like that like mm -hmm. that doesn't really exist in the same capacity here if it does it's like kind of just for show and i think that's 
such a super important part of like the fan culture in, in Germany that I think should absolutely be in the US. Mm -hmm. Well, fan culture also needs time to build. And I mentioned it, the Bundesliga was founded in the 60s. Before that, it was um, different regional leagues. So we're going back to the beginning of the uh, 20th century with that. And US soccer is just a lot younger in, in comparison to that. But can you go a little bit more into detail on what the expectations from clubs are, like what they want their fans to do and how they want their fans to be and behave in the stadium? It's definitely, I think, more of a Premier League relationship in that sense of like you're kind of like viewed as a consumer of a product as opposed to someone who's like driving part of the club. And I think like if you think about like how a lot of Bundesliga teams started where it's just some dudes that just wanted to play soccer, there's not as many of those in the U.S. Like they just start out as a millionaire just being like, here's a team now. So I think that... Like you said, like it's young and it can definitely change, but I think it's harder beginnings than like the beginning of the Bundesliga and whatnot. But I definitely think that they like want you to be chilled out and like, please don't pop flares. Like, please like don't say chants with bad words in it. Like, please don't, no one should do this. But like to the extent of like, I think they go a little too far in like over policing how supporter sections are sometimes. I think it. I think a lot of the U.S. clubs kind of have that relationship with their supporters. Okay, I mean, thinking of the times where I was in the stadium, or when you see a game being broadcasted, and then of course now in the day and age of uh, Twitter and Instagram, basically as soon as a fan group is showing a banner that banner will be visible even if dfb or whoever is broadcasting the game is deciding not to show it it will be visible and i think that is something very interesting and uh the german fans are much harsher in their critique i would say against uh the way the league is run who it is, how, for instance, uh, very recently in München, when they uh, basically directly critiqued the way that Bayern München is laundering money for Qatar and is yeah, contributing to the conditions of workers who are preparing the uh, world championship in, in Qatar yeah, in, the, in the coming year. But what I've seen so far in the US is really that clubs seem so much more sensitive to open critique. Like it doesn't even have to be harsh, but it is just as soon as there's something that goes against the club or a person within a club, it is cutthroat. Why are they so sensitive? Because as you said, you are the consumer of a product. Well, you're in the stadium, you paid for your ticket, you are following the team. Well, you put up that banner, sure, but you're still paying for it. So you're a consumer of the product. So at the end, money matters. Why then still be so sensitive about it? I think it's just brand consciousness. I think like so many more owners and teams view themselves as a brand as opposed as a soccer team. That's pretty much, I think, in my in my dealings with the teams I have in the past and like seeing what other people do, I think they're very conscious of how they're viewed in almost a paranoid way of like, 
well, if we have smoke, like, is that going to be unsafe for fans that are, like, getting into the game? And it's like, sure, like, there can be an argument for that, but I think it's to the point where they're willing to shut off, like, natural fan engagement for, like, the potential of a casual fan. And, I mean, that's a deeper discussion, but I think that's just from what I've noticed. Are fans pushing for that to happen for more freedom to do something to build fan culture there absolutely is i think people don't know and i like there are i think there there are definitely sgs that are or supporters groups that are constantly like holding the fo's like front offices feet to fire and like they're constantly like trying to push for more freedoms and things like that but there's there's only a certain amount of things you can do because the league for a lot of these teams are also involved in it. Um, it's, I don't think it's as team to team as it is in like German soccer where like teams have freedom to kind of see how they deal with like rules and whatever, like if, if that makes sense, but because the league is so involved in it, it makes it a little bit harder to kind of like negotiate on what to do. Cause the team can always be like, well, the league said no. And like, what, what can you possibly do from there really? So. Would it be safe to say that you are a fan of Chicago Red Stars, the uh, women's um, soccer team from Chicago and the Chicago Fire? Chicago Fire is always testing it, but yes. Well, <laughs> how are fans of those two clubs building fan culture among themselves inside the stadium and outside? What are some of the elements that differentiate them from German soccer culture? Well, this is probably where I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll go on Red Stars first. So I think like with women's soccer in general, there is like a huge push that I think should absolutely be also happening in Germany also for like women's soccer to get respect and women's soccer to get what men get. And I think that adds to fan culture because there's a lot more visibility now. I think women's soccer fans feel a, in some aspect a responsibility to keep the name out there. I think like the, the, the issue for a lot of women's soccer fans with NWSL specifically is like, This is women's soccer support it, but like the league's kind of <laughs> constantly messing up. So I think there's that dichotomy there of like, I think that's the big thing. That's the difference is like leagues have so much of a say in how things go now and like how you do things and what, like, if you are bringing a fan to the stand, like you may need to explain, Hey, like <laughs> the coach, the coach we're playing against is getting investigated for domestic violence or whatever like whatever crazy stuff's going on in them and you like that's so much more of a barrier than it is to like an already established league like you're talking about. But um, I think red stars are constantly reaching out to people, reaching out to organizations and like having people just like be a part of tailgates. I think that's a huge thing also that they don't really do in Germany because it's like a lot harder, obviously, but like tailgates are such a huge thing. Explain the concept of tailgates. You go to America's favorite thing, a parking lot. People have grills, people have coolers of beer. Because a lot, I mean, driving such a bigger thing in the US. So, like, a lot of people are able to bring those things to park, like the parking lot, usually outside of the stadium. And they just drink, they make food, they do all of that before they go into the stadium. I don't drive, so I'm not sure when people clean up usually. I think that would be a big question for people who don't know 
like what a tailgate is it's like well when did they put all that stuff away but that's what a tailgate is and like you could probably understand if you don't know what that is how important that is to like a fan whose first time you're able to go to a tailgate like see all the people like drinking and eating and having fun and just meet people that are like directly in the fan uh the fan culture of the team so that's a huge part of the red stars and like where a lot of the fandom come from so we're to switch gears to the fire there's a group called sector latino for the chicago fire and like we at black fires do this also i think a lot of because fandom in the game is not as commonplace as it would be in germany a big part of right now is fan outreach to people who don't know what the game is and usually that's in diverse communities especially for for like black fans in the u.s mm-hmm. um so there's a lot of mental work that goes into making like being a fan welcoming from a fan point um there's a lot of networking like a lot of these a, a lot of fans like kind of use their community standing i think is the best way i can do it to kind of like go to like fundraisers there's a lot there's a big aspect of fundraising and people also use that to kind of like build fan culture so and build these relationships where like a fundraiser can be like oh they helped us out like we're doing another event let's just tell them about like going to a fire game or a red stars game or something like that so I think that's a huge part of fan culture. And it's the best part of fan culture in the U.S. is just how much fundraising and, like, giving back to the community they do. That's the one good thing they got out of, like, (laughs) out of, like, a lot of teams in in England and Germany and stuff. I think that's a big thing that a lot of people took and are doing here as well, so. So aside from that, also a lot of, like, banner creating, spending a bunch of time on that, uh, practicing and coming up with new chants and songs. I mean, music is a big part of it. Like, the drum groups are pretty intense and pretty great, I would say, uh, from what I've seen, from what I've heard. I think really, like, the community aspect, the community connection, maybe that also has to do with the state of the social state in the U.S. that makes it uh, necessary for fan groups to do that. So I think that is very similar to what fan groups in Germany, for instance, do when there is, like, a flooding happening or something like that. There, There is a lot of uh, that social aspect, which I think is really nice and shows that they're not just all bad people as <laughs> they're often marked by uh, some people of the press. But uh, yeah, um, let's switch from you as a fan of soccer within the US to FC Köln. What is fan culture in the US like? You can't just hop on a plane and go to a game. What do you do? What do you do with all of the other people? Uh, we all wake up very early. <laughs> We are a, a, a culture of alarm clocks over here in the U.S. I think the best example I can give is when FCA was in the second league and we would regularly wake up at 5 a.m., particularly in the winters here, walk to A.J. Hudson's and watch us, like, lose against Union or, like, <laughs> a Sandhausen or something. I mean... Yeah, you people in Germany complain uh, when you have to get up early after a long night out and you have to go to a game at 1.30 in the afternoon. Yeah, 
try getting up at five in the morning and yeah aj hudson's lovely bar in uh, chicago shout out to them but yeah there's nothing more frustrating than seeing your team lose uh and being tired hungover or still drunk from the day before so <laughs> we've been all of those that's for sure but I think the interesting thing is with FC fan culture is we're not as big as the big ones here in the U.S., which is Dortmund and um, Bayern, obviously. So, like, when we got started in Chicago and, like, Cincinnati got started, those are there were groups before us. So there was, there was one in Indianapolis and one in D.C. I'm not sure how active they are at this point, but, like, when us in Cincinnati got onto like social media and started like really building that up, there was like a lot of people are like, why do you like this team? Like blah, blah, blah. Like there was, I think they, people didn't realize how big the team is. Um, but we did. And like that, I think that's the best part is like being able to have like people in Cincinnati who you have this bond with and people in Madison and all and like Portland and, Omaha, this like tiny little team to some people is like super important to us. And like, we don't mind waking up so early and we don't mind like not, well, I mind not being able to go to a game, but um, we don't mind watching it on TV. It's super crazy hours. So I think a lot of the fan culture is, if for FCs particularly, is like really close just because a lot of us haven't had people to talk to about this stuff for a super long time. So and how did you find each other? I mean, I, of course, I should say as a, a side note, I am an active part of all of that. But for you listeners out there, I am pretending I, this is the service. This is the uh, FC Überall service. I'm asking Jake all of these questions as if I did not know. Uh, so you get more insight into it. So how did you all get in contact with each other? So it's super funny. So I, me and my now wife have been going to AJ Hudson. I realized that I realized she didn't want to go, but she supported me. It was like when we first started dating, but um, we would go to AJ Hudson to the point, like at first they were like, we don't know what team this is to the point where they just like saw me come in and they would know when the game was on and like what to put it on. So I was like, Oh, like they have Liverpool groups. They have Everton groups. That sounds really cool. Why not a cone group? So we got that started. And I think, as that was starting, we wanted to go to Cincinnati just because, like, they have a huge shoots and fest in Oktoberfest in Cincinnati, and we're like, that would be pretty cool. Let's go down there. And at the same time that was going on, there was an FC Cincinnati game. So I was like, let's just do both. We went to the FC Cincinnati meetup at this place called Mecklenburg Gardens. I was wearing my Colm jersey because I didn't have, like, a Cincinnati jersey. I didn't, they were playing, like, Red Bull 2 or something. There's no way I'm having a jersey for them. Um, so I was just wearing it around and two people were like, oh my God, is that a cone jersey? I'm like, yeah, dude, they're like, they're my favorite team. <laughs> like, that's our favorite team. Well, one of them was like, that's my favorite team. And like, he like found, his name was Lammy and like, he found the other person, uh, Sherman. And he's like, you have to look at his license plate. And he had like an FSA license plate. And I was like, these, like, how did we run into each other like this? Like, this is unreal. Um, so that's where that started from. Like we just randomly were going, like, I just wanted to meet some FC Cincinnati people. I met like lifelong friends now. So that's like, I think that's the epitome of like FC Cologne fan culture in the U S is like, you just wear your Jersey out and you just randomly meet someone who's like, Oh my God, that's my favorite team too. And like, you're never 
prepared for it. <laughs> that's a that's a good uh, tip for everybody who's like alone in their fandom, wherever. Just wear it out. Uh, people Absolutely. will comment on, and if they don't know about the club, they should know about the club, and you might actually be able to tell them something about the club, and then you might have some common fans. You have something in common, to, uh, passion to share, and they might become friends, just like we all did a lot of it is also through social media and stuff like that where are you active and communicating with fans i think mostly yeah for, for us mostly on twitter and like you said i think there's a lot of because bundesliga is not really as big of a league as it should be outside of Bayern and dortmund for a lot of people there's a lot of i call it brainwashing but like there's a lot of just like being outwardly happy about the team or like just talking about it a lot of people i know have gotten into the team just because i'm constantly talking about them so um if you're in a place that like doesn't have a group or something just doing that of just like do lists like telling them about this podcast or something like that like the things that are already being done but to answer your question twitter is mostly it just because like i think what's nice about it is that's one of the places you can constantly talk about stuff. Like if you constantly post on Instagram, like every day or like every hour, like that gets annoying. Like people are moving away from Facebook, stuff like that. But like Twitter, you can constantly be engaging and finding new people and like talking to fans in Germany. Like we, we run into a lot of fans from Germany on the FC hashtag. So yeah, the annual meeting in Madison. Tell us about that. So that's, I think the coolest thing we've done here is we do a meetup every year, except for 2020 when there's a little thing called coronavirus, like raging, which it is now, but like we, there wasn't a vaccine in 2020, obviously. But um, we've been doing this annually of just like having a city where we all meet up. Like usually it's, it hasn't been during games. Like this year was the first time it was like during the season, but um, we just meet up, we go to like, experience the local culture um go to like local bars and things like that that you wouldn't find on like a tourist website or something like that usually it's centered around german beers and whatnot and then i think the coolest tradition we have is like whenever we go to a place it's planned around that local team's game so like for cincinnati we all went to fc cincinnati game for um chicago we went to a chicago fire game for madison we went to a ford madison game like we just do that and just i think like seeing that get bigger every year is so cool like literally the first one was like just six seven people and the one in madison had to have been like 25 like up there like it's so cool man it, it, it every it, it just gets cooler core every year and they travel long distances to to go there i mean do not underestimate that about the u.s uh there's a lot of uh land to cover to to come to madison and i think that was really one of the most uh impressive things to see that people actually come and want to be part of that and yeah that's a great thing and i mean you you touched a on one aspect there that was really impressive to me is how many doors being an FC fan opens to you. Like thinking about the daily conversations that are going on in our group chat that we're doing through WhatsApp and it's not all 
FC Köln stuff, it's personal stuff, helping each other out with questions or whatnot. But a lot of it is also like about Cincinnati, which has a super long history of a German immigrants who were there. And uh, then it's about architecture and history or just words and phrases. Or we talk about music, carnival music or um bands from cologne and um yeah i think there's like really like a wild mix of of things that um kind of like create this bubble around fc cone which is super interesting to see here in the us the next uh question why fc cone of all of the clubs that are out there why in particular this club well my main answer is why not it's the best team in the world. <laughs> it's the best team in the world, of course. Fair, yeah. Uh, um, but I think, like, in all seriousness, there's something just magical about the club and the city. I think, like, Bundesliga clubs are very tied to their city's identity, and both of those are just super magical to a way that, like, you can't really explain, um, especially people in the U.S. Like, people are definitely, like, explain it, but... Um, it's just like, it feels almost like a family a lot of times. And I know part of that, it has to do with like us not being like, being in the stadium and stuff like that. With like the, the conversations and like the decisions and the divisions that can come from that. But I think if you're like in the US right now, like we really don't argue that much. Like we just, I think just people are so focused on just loving the team or just being very depressed by the team. But I think just the team is just the team, the fans, the identity, like how the club and the players just like most of the time love playing for the team. Like it's just so rare to see. I could go on for hours about this, but I think to just condense it is just like, like it's sad sometimes, but it's just like the best thing, the best team you can really like, honestly. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, um, seeing all of the passion, the time, that uh, people in Cologne and outside of Cologne put into that. And especially when you do not have the option of just like seeing a couple of games per season live in the stadium where there is that aspect of remoteness. I think that is a very interesting aspect that just will forever uh, fascinate me about fan culture, why people decide to do that and really, uh, yeah, just like dedicate a lot of time of their life into a club. How does a club show that they appreciate that? Ooh. Well, uh, it's interesting. And I think like, to be candid, I think when we first got started, they were kind of taken aback of like, who are these people? <laughs> like what? They probably are like, we're asking similar questions to you of like, why are they like this sprung out of nowhere? Um, but I think now that it's here, they've been pretty good to, to us, honestly. Like, it's not perfect all the time, obviously, and it never will be, and that's fine. But they they make a big effort. Like, they had that they ha they had a video for our meetup that was like had players in it, and they were just talking about like have fun. I mean, I talked to the admin for the English account a lot, like. I think because it's a smaller team and they do recognize, I think a lot more now of like what international fans really can do. They've made a big effort in just like bringing us into the loop when they can. So I think it could still be better. Like 
and this comes from a place of like seeing how this is going to be unfair because of the size of the team, but like how Bayern and Dortmund and to a certain extent, Eintracht Frankfurt even have like their roots in the U S and like talking to fans and things like that. I think there's still ground for that. And I think we were making a lot of progress before coronavirus, before that happened, because now there's like probably a lot more finance conscious, but it, you never know for a future. And I think like, I think it wouldn't be out of the question to see FC Cologne like making really big strides in the U S and like, reaching out to more people and doing more things in the U.S. So Yeah, I think the the difference here is not complaining about the club doing not enough, but instead seeing the potential of what the club can do, what they could be able to do that they might not know or wouldn't see as an option, but that there is a chance for them to grow and that that is something that the fans want to push for as well. But I, I think, they're, of course, they get that request from all sides. So it is kind of impossible for the club to stretch out in all directions and basically satisfy, completely satisfy each fan. I think they, that is also not their purpose. They don't have to. But I think they're, they're really doing a great job, especially, well, it's a, yet another time where we praise Johnny for all of his work, which he, he is really the GOAT admin. He really is. Shout out to Johnny. <laughs> yeah, but I think that is really something that is interesting. And so I was the second guy from Cologne to join the Chicago group. But then being in contact also in German with the club, leading up to my question for you, what are some of the most common misconceptions that people from Germany, from the Bundesliga, from a club have towards U.S. fans? I think it's, well, one, I think they don't really understand how it's different. Because, like, we've been in a lot of chats with them, and they're always like, wait, what time do you wake up for games? Like, I think it just, like, doesn't click all the way. Like, because they're not Bayern or Dortmund, I think the misconception is that winning is everything because they probably do see the fans like how big Dortmund and Bayern are here they probably think that's the only way to really like grow fandom is to win which yes that's a big aspect but I think it's also just how you market things like Schalke has a big presence here they're Schalke like no offense to Schalke fans love you but <laughs> um I think the other misconception is that we all know German and that we're all in some way from Germany or some, not in Cologne, but sometimes not in my case. <laughs> I think that's it. And like, I think a lot of our budding heads and I think a lot of what kept us from progressing until like, obviously you came is like, there's Johnny and uh, like maybe three other people that probably speak English for the club. So like everything else in, is in German and I don't think it could like think get conveyed as well when there's a language barrier. That's always been my push. It's like have the store in English and like make shipping a lot easier to like countries outside of Germany or outside of even Europe. I think that's a big misconception that like, because a lot of the fans and a lot, a big concentration of the fandom is in Germany. They're like, Oh, anyone outside of Germany who's a fan must be like, an expat or something like that, like someone who used to live there. And like, that's the case sometimes, but like, like there's a lot more fans coming in now that don't speak German at all. And like, they're not really a good way to interact with the club. 
And I think that's their biggest hindrance sometimes. Yeah. Have you, in the process of building up that network, actively collaborated with any other fan group outside of Germany? Yes. So I actually have to give a lot of credit to the Bayern group in Chicago because they were very, very helpful in getting FC Chicago off the ground. Like they were like, ask this out of the club, like get this started, like do this for your Facebook page. Like they were so, so helpful. The Schalke group that I'm not sure where they are now, but we've organized a few things to like watch together and the Hamburg group, which is they've kind of like, because of just timing and where their bar is, they're not really around that much, but they've been really helpful. And like when we're in the second league, like watching together and stuff like that. So I think like, even though Bayern and Dortmund are way bigger at the end of the day, it's still not to the level of Premier League groups, at least in Chicago. I think we, we don't talk as much now, obviously, because like it's been hard to like go to bars constantly and whatnot. I think like before a pandemic and whatnot, like we were pretty tight knit and like we'd go watch Bayern Dortmund at Cleo's and Sometimes Bayern fans would come up and watch games with us. So, mm -hmm. But FC fans from other countries, are there any connections for you? That's something that I think I would want a lot more. I don't think we talk to like the, the people over in Slovakia that much. And like the UK FC fans are, it's kind of hard to centralize on who to talk to with that sometimes. But we've talked to like FC France with their... Uh, very well done end of season awards and stuff like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's kind of the next step is like, we've built something very cool in the U S and now I think it's time for us to like really talk to people like outside of the U S and like Scotland, I think Scott, Scotland has a big FC fan group. So. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem remains the same for um, a lot of people outside of Germany, that language is the number one barrier when it comes to the website, when it comes to speaking to people with the club, uh, maybe even English is not a strong suit, then, well, what do you do? And I think those are universal problems in that aspect. So yeah, I think reaching out to each other, I mean, that is kind of like the aim and the, the purpose behind this podcast to hear from different people. And uh, well, we have an open invitation from the guys from Slovakia and the Czech Republic. So uh, we should definitely meet them. Uh, we can announce that uh, we as a US group are planning to come to Germany, to Cologne specifically before Carnival in 2023. We hope that by then um, the pandemic has dialed down or we have found a way to surpass it in any way possible and that it's safe to get together again. And we would love to meet all of you. So if it is possible to have an international meetup in Cologne, that would be absolutely amazing. Yeah, that would be so crazy. <laughs> We're all super excited already. Like I'm just, I'm just dreaming about it. Yeah, I have uh, started put together a list of bars that we need to go to, places that we need to visit, uh, restaurants uh, that we need to eat in. And I mean, that that is all going to be fantastic. And then, of course, like uh, trying to get the club to get all of us in the stadium for a game, maybe do a triple tour before. Uh, and I just read about that. Um, the Stadionsprecher, the stadium announcer, is doing guided tours. So that would be amazing to do with him when you go back to Cologne what are your top three things that you would love to do 
I think I've been so removed from Germany so far. I think just being there is the top one, two, three. It's just like hearing the language again, like seeing all the things that, I mean, it's, it's things I've already seen before, but just seeing everything once again, just like it's been five years since I've last been there. So seeing the Ryan again, and I think like number one will be going to the stadium. Like, I think I'm just going to pass out. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Don't miss it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll revive right when they're singing the anthem, of course. But okay. um, definitely going to, like, either cry my eyes out or pass out. Like, just see, like, going up the stairs and seeing the, the field and whatnot. Well, we can cry together because uh, I have to say I always well up when the anthem plays. It's kind of tough to to keep a straight face. And, uh, yeah, but why, why, why would you? Why, why should you? Just enjoying it is perfectly fine. Has there ever been a thing that surprised you while being a fan of FC Köln where you thought like, oh, this is something that I did not expect in a positive or negative way? Okay, I'll say this. I think it's how friendly Köln fans are. But the basis for this was my experience in making friends in Germany. <laughs> I think like people weren't as friendly when I was living there, but like on social media, we have people talking to us all the time. And it's like, this is so weird. Like, <laughs> and maybe the other thing, like specifically about the club, maybe it's just how fast things can change because I like, I've, this is going to sound like tooting my own horn, but it's, I really am not intending of this. Like when we made the Twitter accounts, I don't think they had an English, like, <laughs> I don't think they had an English Twitter account or like they did and they barely used it. And now if you look at it, like there's a tweet every day in English. And like, I don't think I was expecting that because there's teams around the Bundesliga, like Freiburg and things like that, that still don't have an English Twitter account. Cohen was a part of that for a little bit. And now like they're making really big strides. So I think I was surprised in how fast they like picked up on that. This was happening and kind of moved with it yeah i mean the the tweets coming out like basically uh simultaneously in german and english i think that is it's a very nice thing to see but also i mean well looking at the success uh, as a team especially in the last couple of decades really just going up and down being inconsistent and having longer stretches of success or whatnot yeah and then one more thing is how fast they moved on like Frown team because we specifically were like you need to do this and there was like no questions asked they they've been kind of putting a spotlight and like I think the biggest thing and I mentioned this on my Twitch show is like they had a video of when the Frauen won the Spike Liga last year where Bayern didn't have a video of the Frauen winning the trophy last year And it's like, what? Like that, that was really crazy how they like instantly were like, yes, this is, this makes sense. And like, I think that gives me hope for like the changes that we want in the future is how fast they're willing to like look at these things and like how fast that they move when, when things make sense. So. Yeah. I, I guess we're better than Bayern München in uh, many accounts. Speaking of other teams, have you ever looked into their eSport team? Not as much as I should. <laughs> okay. Every time I like have my uh, weekly like 
put a bunch of things on the FSA store in my cart and just stare at it. Um, their eSport jersey comes up. I'm like, it looks kind of cool. <laughs> That's like the extent of that I know. Yeah, I, I have to say I have not, in preparation for um, this podcast, I did much more uh, research into it, but I have to say eSport was never really on my radar. I'm not that much of a gamer. I think that has to do uh, with the experience that my six-year younger brother always used to beat me at FIFA. Like every every game is like, uh, okay, I I'm just not born to game. So, uh, yeah, but looking into that, that looks really interesting in the three guys that they have. Um, I would love to have them on the show. So if you're listening, please contact me. I would love to talk to you about everything eSport. But that is interesting. And then they have like what, like tish tennis, handball and uh, whatever else. I mean, there's so much going on with, with that club. How long have you been a member when FC Cone Chicago started, so that would have been 2015. Uh, I will say the payment is in almost impossible. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually have a break in my membership because they couldn't process my payment and I never got a letter about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so continuously, I'm not sure what it is, but I've in my brain, I've been a member for five years. Okay, all right. But, well, give and take, you felt like you've been a member with those additional years, so seven, so next year it will be eight. Do you have a favorite Hennis from one to eight? I think just, like, Hennis seven. Um, just because that's, like, when everything was... Well, wait, was that Hennis seven? With, but the one in, like, 2013 and whatnot. Yeah, I think that was... That I think just like that's where everything started flaring up and getting a lot bigger. So I just have a bigger emotional connection. Mm-hmm. So I was like legit sad when that Hennis died. I was like legit like trying not to cry all day. <laughs> yeah, I think we should actually try to find like a goat farm in Illinois and name a goat Hennis here just in connection to the Hennis in Cologne. I think that would be good Yeah, to, to have a Hennis here as well that we can uh, visit within driving distance, of course, so we can pay our respects to that Hennis and for good luck charm and uh, watch the game and stuff like that. I think that would be good. Uh, if you have a goat and you're listening to us in the US, let us know. Um, yeah, the last years. So let's talk about that. What is your thought on the last decade of FC Köln games? Well, I don't have a beer with me. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's not going to stop the... the... It's exactly what I think is advertised. <laughs> it's it's up and down. Um, you really <laughs> you really understand the value of three points when you're a Cone fan. <laughs> it, the three points is incredibly valuable. That's for sure. Um, the Europa League year was incredible, uh, even though what came directly after that kind of like was the great neutralizer. Um, but I think this year is a lot of promise, not, not partic- no, it is because of how they're playing, but I think like there's something to say about a manager that understands where he's coaching. And I think like, when you look at a lot of big teams, um, sometimes that's not always the case It's like, you have a great manager, but he doesn't really know he's kind of inputting his system and like inputting his or her personality into the team. 
where I think Baumgart is just natural. That he, like, he gets the city. He gets what the club wants to do. He gets who his players are. Like, I mean, look at Benno Schmitz. Like, he's all of a sudden becoming this huge player when before it's like, no offense to Sh- Benno Schmitz if he's listening. Like, you kind of just, like, hit your head with your hand, like, when he was getting subbed in. Um, and obviously with Modest, like, Modest, like, the club clearly didn't know what to do with him for for a few years. He came back from China and they got loaned out and, like, they're like, what do we do? And Baumgart just, like, found a way. You just see this team, like, really takes itself seriously. You see they want to win. Whatever Baumgart's saying at halftime, like, they always come out of the second half looking like a better team. Like, mm-hmm. whatever the other decade was, I think, like, there's hopefully going to be a lot of consistency. And I think that's the big thing called needs is consistency at this point. But that's something that we never have. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I, I hope Baumgart's the person that kind of brings that in. I hope so too. I mean, that would be a nice new thing to have a little bit of consistency. I mean, we, well, I thought we had that a little bit with uh, Stöger before that. I guess people hoped that that would happen with Christoph Daum when he came back as like the uh, the hero and uh, bring Cologne back to the first division and uh, that kind of change. So I always see it kind of like as an up and down and I don't know if that's a masochistic side of every FC Köln fan that we are fans not knowing what's going to happen, but also knowing that something is going to happen in the next season. So we never have that consistency. We cannot go in and say like, yeah, well, this year, the chances that we're going to win the league uh, are probably like 95%. I mean, is that a blessing or is that a curse? I depending on uh, my daily mood, I switch between those. I think the humor that Cone fans have is top notch. <laughs> I always say we start out the league on, we start the, the league always every year in first because of the one in FC Cone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's ours to lose. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I guess you cannot really go through that uh, without humor does that mean in direct correlation that Bayern fans have no humor I don't think so I think sometimes you make fun of Bayern and they take it like super seriously it's like no like you guys win the league every year like uh, what like this isn't a big it shouldn't be a big deal to you yeah I don't know I I mean I I have still high hopes uh when it comes to the second part of this season we have a team that has shown and established and grown, I, I, I would say, like really grown uh, more than a team under Stöger has. That, of course, has partly to do with uh, the players that you had on hand, but also with the coach and with the co-coaches like Kevin McKenna. Mm-hmm. From earlier seasons, was there a moment that you particularly are fond of that uh, you really like thinking back to? There's a lot. The one that sticks out the most was probably what was it 2000 probably 2015 2016 we had beaten Dortmund like in the last minute mm-hmm. like um who it was like Sorensen did like a header pass to Modest and like just finished the game and I was in the airport watching it on my phone I was just like yes like just in the middle of the airport and everyone was looking at me um even last year when when we were playing Schalke in the last game of the season me and my friend Alex Connor who's also in the group 
we were we were in Phoenix for that, and like our plane was landing as the game was ending. I think it was still tied, so we like ran off the plane and like got a seat like at the gate and just instantly turned on our phones and like watched the game as the as the last goal went in, and we were just in the airport screaming because like that got us a relegation playoff. So what is it about? that connection or what is it for you that creates that passion that intensity i think it's just because i love this team man like i love this team i love everyone who i've met through it like i love the city um and i just want nothing would make me happier than seeing this team do well like people joke with me all the time and like what would you do if Cole won the pokal and like i can't really put into words what would happen because i don't know like <laughs> I may pass out. I may run down the street with no clothes on. I may, <laughs> I, I don't know what I would do. Let's delve into the hypotheticals. If we were to win the Pokal or let's even say the Meisterschaft, if we won the league in some of the coming years, because for some reason, I mean, come on, obvious reasons. What do you think would happen to the club? Oh, that's a question I've never thought of. And I know what you mean by that, actually. Huh, that would be an interesting thing to think about. I think it would still be the same. I think that's the moment they would realize, oh, people know who we are now. You know what I mean? So I think they would, that their advertising to fans outside of Germany would jump by a billion percent. For sure, yes. Um, I think it would still be the same. I don't think they would like lose their club identity by winning the Pokal or something like that. Well, definitely not the Pokal, but like if they won like the league, I think it would be a different question if it was like Champions League because something happened in that where like they obviously have a lot more money or something like that. So I think that would be a bigger question of like if they're in the Champions League consistently, like what happened? But I think if it's something like the Pokal or just like by happenstance winning the league, like I, I don't think a whole lot would change. Yeah. Tell me, what do you think about this? So I'm thinking about like on the fan side, of course, it will create a lot of commotion, even more so um, uh, with the Meisterschaft than with the DFB Pokal uh, for obvious reasons. So there would be a lot of new fans coming in, which I am not opposed to. I think actually like when a lot of people say like, oh, there are all of these like event fans coming in. Well, let them come in. Let them come in, let them learn about the club and let them learn that even after you win the Meisterschaft, you might drop to the second division because we're FC Köln and that is something that might actually happen depending on form. Um, so they will learn about that and maybe see like, oh, actually it's not consistent enough for me. I don't want this. I'm not that interested in it, but it will stick for some people and then you have a couple more fans. So I think that would be an absolutely amazing thing on the club side. However, I think it might become a little bit more difficult. And I see that in context of players like, uh, Tony Schumacher of uh, Wolfgang Overath. Um, like even, uh, well, like Pierre Lebaski or, uh, Lukas Podolski, um, Those are all players because they were there at a certain time of success where they would put on a pedestal that was not good for them and thus not good for the club. More so with Overath, uh, I mean, I don't want to go into 
a critique of his style of being president and, and being in the Vorstand. And, but I, th I think that was like always like a given bonus that should not have been given to him. Very subjective opinion. Write me an email if you disagree. But I think there there's always this kind of amped upness in Cologne, this cult that is created around a person that is having a negative effect for other players. And I think now with the team that we have right now, where there is no real star, I mean, well, like you have a player who found back to old form like Anthony Modest, which is great, but he came back from a struggle. Jonas Hector came back from a very heavy personal struggle with death in the family and um, the passing away of his um, barata and then um, leaving the national team. So he's back on a local level. And I think all of those players are kind of grounded. And I think that is something that is a guarantee for hard work and less ego. And ego is always the problem. And there's always a problem, especially with Cologne being such a amped up town because we well we have that uh rheinische uh, optimismus und fatalismus uh, as they call it like fatalism and optimism but yeah what do you think about that that's a very good point actually yeah i do i i, I do think that like i think even with so many players being from the city they kind of understand like the expectation and kind of like what the club's going for and things like that i think if they're if they were making Champions League and they were winning the league consistently, that would have to change because you need stardom that just is, that just is, it's like a different search, basically. I think now they're looking for who can play the hardest for the team. I think if they're like competing in Champions League, that would change to like who would pay the hardest so that we can win, if that makes sense. I think really this like tough play and this endurance, I haven't really seen that before because it's like with every other player, it was always kind of like, or with every other coach, it was kind of like this, like, ugh, we don't have it right now. What are we supposed to do? And now it's just like, well, we don't have it yet, maybe, or we're struggling with it. But as Baumgart said, we're on the way. And being on the way is a good thing. And I think that is a very interesting aspect I, I wonder really how much of that Baumgart attitude is thanks to his time at Union Berlin and <laughs> that that kind of like rougher attitude switching gears a little bit towards Cologne do you have any favorite places in Cologne um I have a special place for Lanxess Arena just because I love the one high A game I went to I just had the best time. <laughs> um, and I think that area that's like by the Rhine a little bit. And like, if I'm remembering correctly, there's like a giant building that you can see the whole city on top of near there, right? Oh, the Elfau uh, Altum. Yeah, see, I'm going on the top of that and seeing everything and seeing um, the pile of smoke that's Leverkusen was very interesting. And there's just like, there really is like, I'm, the dome is just, there's something really cool about it. And, uh, but I think for me, I think a big thing, going back to your other question about like yeah. going back, I think I'm going to be so much more pointed in seeing stuff that I've heard from fans over just being here. 
I think that's going to be something. So I don't sound like a tourist. I was there for four hours. So I mean, there there's nothing wrong with uh, the Langsess Arena. I mean, the the sitting on top of this hill basically, and it looks like a uh, iron, like a that you use for ironing clothes. You know, I think in, in Cologne they call it the Henkelmännchen, which is like the the bread box that you would take to work. And yeah, I mean. I've seen a couple of uh, concerts there. It's a, it's a great space. It's a cool event space. And yeah, like a place that you can see the whole city off of um, and see, actually get a feeling that Cologne is really lying in that valley, right? Like you, you see the Bergisches Land in, in the east. So, um, But what are, what are some of the things that you want to do? Like what have other people told you that you should absolutely not miss? There are a bunch of things you always say, and now I'm classically <laughs> forgetting them. Um, but I think just like seeing more of like the 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 pubs and stuff that are like not mm -hmm. in the city center, not in the Altstadt or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be my bigger goal is not just being where like the Hauptbahnhof or anything is, but just being like on the fringes and going kind of like deeper outside of the city. So that's nice. Yeah, I think, I mean, Cologne um, is a very easy and walkable city. So that is uh, kind of nice for, for tourists, even if you're staying in the city um, a little bit uh, longer or for a shorter period of time. But um, I highly recommend uh, going north from um, the Hauptbahnhof and the Cologne Cathedral, because then you head into the older districts there, uh, not the Altstadt, uh, which is a different part, which is like really touristy. Um, but uh, there's some of um, some of the older streets. You can find some uh, neighborhood pubs there that are not really uh, that frequent. It is fun to to sit in there, and then going up to Eichelstein Torburg. Uh, so it's like an old gate because. For your listeners out there, Cologne was built from a Roman military camp and then uh, later they built a defense wall around it. And some of those gates are still there throughout the city and there's like squares settled around there with some nice bars, nice restaurants, and they're just generally good places to hang out. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Um, I can't wait to go back. I haven't been back in, in two years. Well, I hope you're ready to be our full-time tour guide. Oh, I absolutely will be. If anybody wants to hire me as a tour guide, uh, I am happy to do so for a couple of coach. Do you sometimes cook food from Cologne or the Rhineland or from Germany? I don't as much because my wife's vegetarian, so... Mm -hmm. There was like a recipe for a mozzarella schnitzel that I was thinking of making her. I'm like, that seems a little decent. But I really, I think with that, I just leave it to the professionals. I just want to eat it. I don't want to make it. But I was making schnitzel for a little bit there. Um, a lot of the dishes I make for no particular re reason are more schwäbisch. So like oh, schpitzel okay. and stuff like that. What are some of your favorite dishes? Derna. I could eat that. I I did eat that almost every day, which is uh, <laughs> which is an interesting thing to eat every day. Question there: in a sandwich bun, in a brot, or in a like rolled up like a Turkish pizza in a lahmacun? <laughs> I'm a real party boy, and I actually <laughs> like it in the box. <laughs> 
Oh, the oh wait, that's the pom donut, right? Yeah, the pom like where they put it, just there is like screw it, and they put like the meat on the fries and just everything on top of that. I'm a real party boy, so. <laughs> you should meet my former roommate from Cologne. He used to eat that when we had a long night out. That was always interesting to see. I never had it. I always preferred the lahmacun with with everything in there. Can you get that in Chicago anywhere? Not well. There is a place called Dernanen, oh. but I think what you find a lot of Derna in the U.S. is like it's just like. There's something about Derna that's just like not fancy and kind of just like, oh, here it is. And I think like when you start like adding, well, the, I think Mustafa is a little different in Berlin. I think they that's like fine. But like the one here kind of goes overboard. And it's like the other part about Derna is that's cheap. And it's like not this place is not particularly cheap. Well, let's switch over to drinks then. Coach, thoughts? We got to check Twitter because I know there's a raging coach to be on, right? <laughs> I'm always scared because I said one time on Twitter that Scion was one of my favorites and I got roasted. What? <laughs> yeah. No. Why? I don't understand that. I mean. I don't know. So, that, so Scion, um, coach is a little harder to find here in terms of like brands. So I really like fruit even when I was in Germany. Um, and I think by it being hard to find, I've gotten a back into Gaffel mm -hmm. of like enjoying that a lot. In fact, like you, we were talking about in the group chat, like, I want to try that Gaffel Vice so bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I saw someone, uh, car ahead on Twitter who, who works for Leverkusen. Mm -hmm. um, but lives in Cologne, right? Yes. That's the way to do it. Yeah, you can live there. <laughs> <laughs> uh but she was drinking the gaffel vice and i was like oh man like how good is it and then when she said it was really good i was like i have to try this now so maybe on my top three things to do on back that will i will just get off the plane and walk directly to a store i think one of the places to to get that is gaffel they I think recently added that. I don't know uh, when they started that, but I think my place to get a visa is Hellas Brauhaus. Like mm -hmm. number one, they they have like a fantastic brewery um, where you can eat and drink. Um, they have like plants everywhere. It's it's really nice. And so visa is like the earlier form of coach. So the the modern coach is more filtered. So it's very clear and. Um, That one is a more cloudy coach, but I think it's it's really nice. A little heavier, hits the head a little faster, I would say. So we definitely need to try that, especially in connection with some food. I'll get you like a hemshin or halvahan or whatever you want or bratkartoffeln. We need some... to stop doing this because like now <laughs> I just want to like build a time machine and go to 2023. Me too. Oh, man. Yeah, just thinking about what would have happened if we knew that COVID was coming. I think I would have partied a little harder before moving to the U.S., just knowing that party time will be off for a couple of years. But yeah, oh, man. But other coaches. So we have um, we have Zion and we have Avis. What else? Yeah, I, I think like I... I used to like Reisdorf, but I think because it was the only coach from Germany in the U.S. for a little bit, I just tired myself out of it. Uh, and then there's one more that Suna is pretty good, too. Suna, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah Suna. 
I just like Kolsch in general. Yeah. Probably my favorite kind of beer. So, I mean, really, like the the ones that you listed, you can't go wrong with those. What did you used to drink when you were in Bonn as a student? Do you remember? I remember them initiating me into Bonsch, oh, which Bonge. is like, yeah, we we kind of drink that a lot. Um, and then it was like because we dr I mostly drank at parties and like in the the park a lot. We would just get like Vorsteiner, like oh. the huge crates. Um, we get, I guess we had Merlin a bunch. Um, but like I distinctly meant remember Vorsteiner because we were like college students, so like we didn't have a whole lot of money and like the, the river and like other places would just be like just take the case. <laughs> <laughs> What are you looking most forward to regarding FC Köln? What do you want to check out there? Well, me and Johnny have a standing date of uh, Derna and Kosh <laughs> at like one in the morning. So I'm super excited about that. And I think just like meeting a lot of the people that we've just seen online. And just like, again, like it sounds really cliche. It sounds like I'm not putting a lot of thought into it. But I think just like going to the stadium, is just going to be... It's going to be like the second best experience I've ever had. I can already picture it in my head. Like we're going to meet at Neumarkt. Everybody's going to be probably a little hungover from the day before or whatever happened. And then we're going to get a beer at the Neumarkt. Then we're going to hop on the train, drive there, go to the uh, kiosk that is at Alta Militering, get a bunch of uh, beers there. I'll definitely bring my friends. And then want to head over to the stadium a little earlier, get those people who have not had the time to go to an FC fan shop, get a scarf because, I mean, that's a must. And then, yeah, head in there, hang out. And then I guess it's going to be party time, hanging out in the bars after that. And that's going to be intense. We have to prepare, eat and prepare <laughs> for that day. It's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a lot of emotions and a lot of oh, yeah. just excitement. So I think it's going to reach like big levels of uh, needing adult supervision. I think also like one of the things that is going to be very interesting to see is uh bringing the fans to the training yeah go to the training grounds at Geisbockheim. i also want to see Geisbockheim. i have to admit i have never been there it never in, like crossed my mind like why should i go there like I, i would go to the stadium but i never had that much interest in going there but i really would love to to check it out and uh see it. i mean there's a lot of history there and um, I was watching a, a Bundesliga documentary not too long ago, and um, they talked about the Geisbockheim like in the 60s when the Bundesliga started being way ahead of time of everything else that the people had uh, back then. That FC Köln, when Bundesliga started and became Deutscher Meister, then for the first year of the Bundesliga, they were just like way ahead with their club structures and the Geisbockheim just being this iconic building with all of the anemones that you could have and it was really far beyond and it was very interesting what happened then in the meantime with other clubs kind of like going up to that standard and surpassing it but still i would love to see it and i guess another thing that we have to do is visit hennis at the kernot so say hi to the goat it's gonna be a lot of fun all right to round up this conversation i have eight questions for you okay favorite female player of fc Köln? um Eunice Beckman. Why? Admittedly, because she's a black 
Frauen Bundesliga player and you always got to represent that. <laughs> and she's very, very good on it. Um, favorite FC Köln player of all times? Um, I'm just going to keep it recent. I'm just going to say my boy Jonas Hector. And why is that? Just because he he's such a like down-to-earth player. Like He's so consistent. He's so good. And like you really don't really know unless you like you watch the games and like see him play, and he you could just tell like he's not like your average footballer. He's just like he kind of just seems like a dude that just like happens to be a world class football player. Okay, your favorite coach of all time? I think a lot of my answers are just gonna have recency bias, but Sturga was Sturga was very cool, and I think he had a awesome personality up until the end. Well, even in the end, it was very cool, but. What is your favorite merch item? I know why you put this in here. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you're doing. Um, outside of the fire pit, <laughs> there's some like FC Cold contacts that are just, I find so funny because you look absolutely demonic wearing them. Like the picture in the store is like super weird. Oh, wait, contact lenses? Yeah, contact oh. lenses. And they say they're like red and white. I don't know why you would ever buy them or wear them, but. Huh. <laughs> to explain the joke, there's that, yeah, outside fire pit. Uh, with like a cutout uh, i think like it's the the cologne cathedral and stuff like that and we're joking about it because it's like such a fun item and so ridiculous but something that for some reason we kind of wish we had and why wouldn't you it's in omaha so we need to see the legendary item in person that is pretty amazing <laughs> another question follow-up question to this one which merch item would you wish FC Köln would offer their fans? Ooh, they, they cover so many ranges. I'm a big proponent of bringing back Snuggies. So I'm going to say an FC Köln. Do you know what Snuggie is? I just realized that's not a national thing. Is that like a onesie? Almost. So it's almost oh. like a blanket that just, that has sleeves in it, but it's like, it's almost like a hospital gown. Like kind of like a poncho? Yeah, except it's open oh. in the back. The whole okay. idea is that you like lay on it and you can still like type and stuff like that. Fondest memory of being an FC Köln fan? Uh, the Madison meetup. I think just like that game being that weekend of against Bayern, you could it could have been a better game for like that meetup. And just was so fun like getting to see all of my friends again after two years. We've been doing so well as like a supporter group as like keeping in contact over the pandemic. Like, I see a lot of fan groups, like, kind of fizzle out because of that. And, like, I feel like we got even stronger. So just seeing the results of that in that meetup was was awesome. Next question. Which one is your favorite coach song? I think Optimat. It's just so catchy. <laughs> There's not a lot of words in it. So, like, you, I've definitely belted it out super drunk. Which FC Köln fan chant would you wish you could adapt to uh, U.S. soccer games? Ah, very good question, because me and the Cincinnati people have been trying to do um, all FC Cone, but like for like, all fire, Chicago fire, and there would be like, oh, FC, Cincinnati. Just because like, it's so simple and it's like very easy to do. We've, I capo for a fire and for Red Stars. I haven't tried it with Red Stars, but it caught on a tiny bit, the fire games, but. Um, people are set in their ways sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I mean, since we're talking about chants, uh, I'm going to uh, do one extra. Your favorite chant of 
Köln-Fans? I still think it's the Europa Pokal song. Even when I talk to Arsenal fans, like they know that song just because of the, the first game against Arsenal. So it's kind of like, a, yeah, that was us. <laughs> that was ours, yeah. All it right. didn't work out very well, but... <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thank you so much. I think we're at the end of all of the questions that I had for you. We covered a lot of ground. I think it would be very interesting to get you back on the podcast to see how the season is going and talking about how the season's going to end potentially. That would be a fun thing. May not be fun. When you never know with this team. Well, even if it's not fun in terms of success, it will definitely be gripping or heart attack inducing for all of you other fans out there who are not part of the US group. We have this thing called kind of danger site as like its own time zone which is describing the last 10 minutes of the game when you know that something horrible might happen and uh win is going to be given away or a draw turns into a loss so um yeah danger site is definitely uh not good for our health but uh on the other hand uh well it's an emotional high it's something that you feel passionate about so i think i don't want to miss it yeah follow jake's twitter account which is erstfc köln chicago all in one so that is uh one fc k o e l n and then chicago also check out his twitch show 50 plus döner that is 50 p l u s d ö there's an o with an umlaut an n E and an R and he has shows if I remember correctly every Thursday at 5 p.m. 5.30. 5.30 there you go and he's covering all things Bundesliga he's doing stuff with uh, uh, Bundesliga fantasy uh, and he's looking into uh, men's Bundesliga women's Bundesliga explain stuff like the 50 plus 1 regel so he's really doing a deep dive and it's a fun show to come into the chat is always on fire and very fun to to read and uh yeah it's another community across bundesliga first and second division to yeah get to know more about german soccer so if you don't know much other than fc Köln, it is worth looking into it especially the second bundesliga jake thank you so much can't wait to see you at AJ Hudson's again and watch again. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Again, thanks to Tiago for sending in that amazing piano version of Mir Stunden zu dir, FC Kölle, the song by the Höhner. If you have a song, if you are uh, musically talented and you want to do a rendition of a Kölsch song or that song or anything else that is song-wise in connection with FC Köln, record it send it to me and I will play it on this podcast. Jake, thank you so much. Have a good night. And to all of you out there, 